Thanks for listening to the Cool Church Podcast. This is Joanne Wilson, co-pastor at Cool Church. We're praying that wherever you are on this journey, that this message encourages you. And we want you to know that you were created out of love. And now, here's today's message. And I'm excited to preach this series. It's not the first Holy Spirit series we preach at Cool Church. And I promise you, it will not be the last. I don't want to live a life that is not empowered by the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if you got your Bibles, I want you to turn to one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I know you hear me say that a lot, but honestly, this is top three. This is top, so you could just, you could put like a star on this one. This is top three for me. I love what this passage says, and I'm going to be reading out of uh, 2 Corinthians to be exact, and I'm going to read out of chapter 5, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, on just just for fun, just because, you know, I want to catch you up on your Bible reading this week. We'll read 10 verses. We'll read 2 Corinthians 5, um, chapters 1, excuse me, verses 1 through 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 10. And we're starting this brand new series called Ghost. Oh, man, I love it. Not the Demi Moore, Patrick Swayze ghost. No, not the ghost from power. No, there's just a, just a whole different ghost we talking about today. So get that out of your mind. All right, here we go. Second Corinthians chapter 5, uh, verses 1 through 10. I'm reading out of the NIV. No matter what version that you have, though, it's all, it's all got the same heart. Here you go. Now we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. I love that. It says, meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we were, while we are in this tent, underline that tent, I love that, while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose. Here it is, 2 Corinthians 5, 5. Favorite verse, one favorite verse. Here, here we go. Now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the Spirit, capital S, as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come Whew! that right there I want to throw my Bible I can stop right there and that should be good I'm gonna read that verse again before I keep going now it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come therefore we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, that I would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. So we make it our goal to please him whether we are at home in the body or away from it. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. That each one may receive what is due him. For the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. That's a good place to say amen. If you are taking notes in this first of a three-part series called Ghost, I've entitled it this, The Deposit. The Deposit. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for this day. For this is the day that you have made, God. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. God, before the earth began to spin on its axis, you knew each and every person that will be watching or that will be listening to this word today. It's not by accident, God. And I pray that I would lie down as you rise up. Don't let these words be mine, but let them come directly from your throne room of grace. I pray that your spirit speaks through me. Open hearts, minds, and ears to be receptive to a word that will always be about Jesus. And I pray that by the time this is all said and done, people have a new revelation who he is. I pray that by the time this is all said and done, people are empowered by the Holy Spirit. I pray that by the time this is all said and done, people are given guidance in their life through the power of the Holy Spirit. I pray all of these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen, 
amen and amen. Take about five seconds to give God some rowdy, some crazy, some wild praise. Here we go. One, two, three. Let's go. Woo! Yes, Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Ghost. My goodness. Ghost. New series at Cool Church. And I know some of y'all wondering what it's about. Well, as soon as I say ghost, if you are or have been in church as long as me, the first thing you think about is the Holy Ghost. You see, the, the new school kid, they say, oh, it's the Holy Spirit. No, 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 I'm, I'm, a, I'm an OG, man. I believe in the, in the Holy Ghost, the power of the Holy Ghost. I don't even know why I just said it like that, but the Holy Ghost. And when I say that, when I say that term Holy Ghost, depending on your background, um, whether you are churched or unchurched, if you're like me, it brings up different things for different people. The Holy Ghost has so many different connotations to it. Now, for me, I grew up an old school Pentecostal. And what are, what are, what are the, Pente the Pentecostals, man? We, we believe what happened at the time of Pentecost when the disciples were up in an upper room and they prayed and they waited for the comforter that Jesus talked about and the Holy Spirit comes down on them. It says, the Bible says that a sound like that of a violent rushing wind came into the room and tongues of fire were on everybody's heads and they began to speak in languages and utterances that were not known to them, but they were literally praying perfect prayers between themselves and God through utterances that the Spirit gave them. Man, let me tell you something. If that happened in 2021, people would freak out. Let me tell you something. Weave stock would grow up because the lace fronts would get burned out if tongues of fire were dancing on people. Says people would freak out in church. It would be crazy, but man, I wish I was there because if the fire was on my head, I would have no hair to be burnt up. I would be fine. I would continue to just preach the gospel because you can't take away from me what is already gone. I'm a Pentecostal, Holy Ghost, Spirit-filled, tongues-preaching preacher. I want you to understand that, okay? That's the way I grew up. Can't help it. Man, I, listen, I have seen, I've seen everything. I've seen everything in church. I see people, man, when like, 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 depending on where you went to church growing up or what you heard about church, you would see some crazy stuff in church. Like when I grew up in church, I was a little kid, I used to see something like, what in the world is going on here? Sister Edna that, that, that came in on a walker when the Holy Ghost were hit, she would start two-stepping and she would start cripping and blood and, do, and doing the crip. I'm like, Yo, hold up, you just came in on a walker, Sister Edna, how you doing that right now? What's going on with you? Power of the Holy Ghost. Power of the Holy Ghost would come on. People would start prophesying and speaking in tongues. And when you were OG Pentecostal, we know the rule. We know what Paul talked about. If somebody speaks in tongues out loud, then the pastor will stop everything. And he will say, he will wait. we will see his silence and we will wait for an interpretation. Oh man, I remember those days in church and the interpretations and the tongues would come out. And as a kid, it used to freak me out. I'm like, yo, what is going on? People like, mama say, mama say, mama should have bought a Hyundai, should have bought. And it used to freak me out because I didn't know what they were talking about as a kid. I didn't understand, but I saw the power. I would see, I would literally see preachers would come in, man, those, those old faith prophets, man, they, they would come in and they would just wave their hands and, and hundreds of people would just fall out in the presence of God, man, just slain at the altar. One time, man, I got slain in the spirit. I was laying at the altar when I woke up. I was the only one there. I was like, oh, snap, this is awkward. And I had to take, I had to take that walk. It wasn't a walk of shame because I was saved and sanctified, but it was, it was a walk back to your seat and you just put your hand like this because you was the only one that was still at the altar. One time, this was, this, all right, now listen, I know, listen, I'm not, I'm not here to judge the validity of stuff that happens in church. One time, though, I was at church, and I saw something that somebody did that made me laugh. A prophet came in, and he started throwing fastballs. Listen, I'm not playing. I'm not playing. He started throwing Holy Ghost fastball in church. He would wind up like this. That's not what made me laugh. What, what made me laugh is not the fact that he threw the fastball. What made me laugh is that people in the audience were acting like they saw it. Like, he threw it like this. People in the audience was like this. 
You ain't seen what passed by. You, th- you, and you acting like you seen what passed by. And then what made it even worse, not only were people acting like they saw what passed by, the person that was the recipient of the fastball, they acted like they got hit with something. So people was going like this. Was like, oh, I'm like, you ain't get hit with that. What you, what you got hit with? It, it made you jump back like that? I'm just telling you, I've seen it all. Fastballs and all. I have seen it all in church. The truth of the matter is, Things that are supernatural can be weird, they can be scary, they can be strange. And if they're strange for believers, could you imagine how strange they are for non-believers? The supernatural is very strange. And if, you, if you're in church long enough, you'll hear some of the craziest things that happens when the Holy Ghost shows up. You see... I've talked to people, and a lot of people, i found, are scared of the Holy Ghost. You know why? Because they've heard ghost stories. They've heard ghost stories that have allowed them to be scared of the Holy Ghost. And I've called this series Ghost because over the next three weeks, I want to dispel the rumors. I want to talk about the power of the Holy Ghost in such a way that is practical, in such a way that is tangible because the truth of the matter is the power of the Holy Ghost is not meant for ghost stories. It's not meant to frighten us, but it's supposed to inform us and empower us as believers. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. The truth is, the Holy Ghost is nothing to be scared of because it's the spirit that guides us and empowers us. Hear me today, family. I want you to hear me loud and clear. I'm not here to talk about the 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 validity of the expressions that we have seen in church of the holy ghost i've seen people laugh till they couldn't stop laughing till they start crying in church because they were consumed with the power of the holy i'm not here to talk about the validity on if the pastor touches my head should i fall out or not let me tell you something god is god he does what he wants the way that he wants to do it if it affects you that way it affects you that way i'm not here to clown it i'm not here to make fun of it i'm here to say you got to let the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost do what it wants to do in you. And I am not here to judge. Let me say this. I believe in the power of the supernatural and I'm not ashamed of it because I believe that the same power that conquered the grave is the same power that lives in me. Jesus himself said that we would do things that were greater than him. This is why the disciples could pass by people and their very shadows would heal people. I never heard of a scripture that said that Jesus shadow healed somebody but his apostles his disciples they could do it why because they had the power of the Holy Ghost on the inside of them so I believe it with everything every fiber of my being I do not believe and I've said it before that the miracles stop at the last page of the Bible I believe that the miracles will continue when believers in 2021 are empowered by the Holy Spirit that lives in us and we will see things that the Bible never talked about if we have just faith the size of a mustard seed the Bible says you could look upon the mountain and you can tell that mountain to move and it will move in the name of Jesus we got to stop being scared of the power that God has placed inside of us I believe in the supernatural But all too often, I do believe that the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, has been taken out of context by so many people due to the actions or the lack of teaching of others. You see, we got to be careful about what we're teaching and how we are living through the Holy Ghost because if we are not careful, we can often tell ghost stories about something that was made to guide us 
and empower us. The last thing that we need as believers are people scared of the power of the Holy Spirit. We don't need people thinking it's weird. We don't need people thinking. I've heard new school believers say that. I believe in Jesus and all, but that Holy Spirit stuff, that's not practical. No, the Holy Spirit is the most practical thing that can impact your life than any book you can read, than any course you can take. When you got the power of the Holy Spirit, you can actually affect real change. The power of the Holy Spirit is important and you cannot understand the Holy Spirit or if its power if you do not first understand how God made you and me. You got to understand how you were made to understand the power of the Spirit within you. And I believe that the Apostle Paul in his writings in 2 Corinthians lays out a great foundation for us to understand the Spirit and helps us understand exactly how God made us. So the first thing that you have to understand about the Spirit or the Holy Ghost is, is this, before you can understand it, you have to understand how you were made, and you were made in three parts, and the first part is the body. The body is what the apostle calls the tent. Look at 2 Corinthians 5, verse 1. It says, for we know that if the earthly tent, as you can see, there's a tent behind me, if, if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. I love that the apostle takes time to call our physical bodies a tent. Now, I know that this may not be the most impressive tent, but it was a TP, and I liked it. I thought it was cool because I thought it gives a good rep representation of what the apostle was saying about us. Why would the apostle Paul call our physical bodies a tent? He would call our physical bodies a tent because he's trying to get us to understand how fragile we are. A tent is a temporary dwelling place. See, the apostle understood for us to understand the spirit, we must first understand that our body is a tent, a temporary dwelling place. See, the thing about tents is they'll give you shelter for a moment, but I don't care what you do to this tent, eventually this tent will come down. This tent cannot last forever. It is meant to be set up and it is meant to be taken down. The thing about tents is they don't really provide good protection. Like, you can knock down a tent just like you can hurt a human body. If you cut me, I will bleed. This is a vessel, but it does not really give me much protection. It's just meant to cover me in my travels. I love backpacking because you take a tent with you, and as you go from place to place, when you hunker down for the night, you have a tent that will contain you. You have a tent that will keep all of your stuff, and then you get back up in the morning, you collapse your tent, and you continue to move on because a tent is meant for you to travel for a moment. And while we travel through this wilderness called life, Paul says that God created our human body and literally made it the equivalent of a tent. The interesting thing though, is that although this human body is a tent, we also know that the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. Well, that's beautiful because we know God is a triune being. That's why we call it the Holy Trinity. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, and there's God the Holy Spirit. Everything in creation, God mimics himself in his creation. We are all supposed to be a reflection of who God is. God the Father, he is the creator. Uh, God the Son, Jesus, he is the redeemer. And then God the Holy Spirit, he is the sustainer. Everything in creation is like this. There is time, there is space, there is matter. Everything that God created, he likes to create in threes. And matter cannot exist without a space that it can occupy. And it cannot exist without a time for it to be in. Because once matter exists, it must 
exist in a place in time and it must exist in a period in time. Once again, God is creating things in threes, even in the things that he has created, such as the elements like water. It has three phases, solid, liquid, and gas. The only thing that is different between each of them is the speed and the molecules uh, in which the, the, the current phase finds itself in. But once again, we see God creating in threes. It, my, it, it boggles my mind when people say, I don't know how God could be three and one, one and three. That's confusing. Well, he made us the same way, three and one, one and three. We are body, the tent that I'm talking about right now. We are soul and we are spirit. Every human has all three of these things, body, soul, and spirit. Okay, well, that sounds good. Well, I can't see my soul. I can't see my spirit, so I'm not three and one or one and three. I'm just one. Let me tell you something. God wanted to break this down for us so simply. Not only did he create us that way, not only did he create matter, time, and space that way, he shows us in all types of creations the three and one, one and three model. For example, I have an egg. The simplest way for me to show you three in one, one in three, is in one of God's most delicious creations of all time. I love eggs. I will eat them at every meal. But I love an egg because it shows us Literally, simultaneously, as I am holding this up to the camera, praying that I do not drop it, I am showing you three and one, one and three. Not only can you look at me and see three and one, one and three, and see that I'm a reflection of God, in this egg you can see three and one, one and three, but I want, I want to take it piece by piece. The first thing you see with an egg it's its, is its outer shell. Can't have an egg without a shell. This is the first part. This is the outside. This is the part that we see First, this is the part that protects, this is the part that covers what is on the inside. It is fragile. So in this first bowl, I, I want to talk about this egg and I want to liken this egg to this tent because both of these things, if you look at them, are very fragile in nature. Neither one of them is meant to be permanent, but both of them exist to house something that is on the inside. When we see our very bodies, we must see our outer shell as not just our body, but we must see it as a tent. And eggshells are made to protect the contents of what are inside, but because they're temporary dwellings, any egg is made to be broken. You see, what I found about our body, what I found about this tent, and what I found about eggs, this is what humans do because this is the part of us that we can physically see. Oftentimes, we try to make it the most important. Listen, listen, this egg is wonderful. This egg is delicious, but I promise you the most important part of this egg is not the outer shell. This outer shell is temporary. Once I crack this, I'm not going to take this eggshell and eat this. I'm going to throw this eggshell away because it is temporary. And I want somebody to hear me today. We should not be so focused on the outer shell that we forget that there's so much more inside of us. People spend way too much time on the shell. We spend way too much time on the tent, forgetting that it is fragile. Now listen, I will be the first to tell you that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. You should take care of it because it is so fragile. What am I telling you? Exercise, eat right, do all those things. Make yourself look presentable. That's why I be telling you, don't come on Zoom with crust in your eye. You need to do wipe the snot out your nose, man. We got to take care of the shell. We got to take care of the tent. But let me tell you something. I don't care how much you bench. I don't care how far you can run. I don't care how long your eyelashes are or your extensions that you paid for are. I don't care how beat that face is. Girls, we need to stop saying that. Or how ripped you are or how healthy you may eat. That tent was not made to stay up forever. There's limitations to the tent and family. 
if we're not careful, we'll place more importance on our shells than our souls. We live in this social media culture where everybody wants, wants to say, see me, see me, and all they're presenting is a shell. People are so focused on how their shell looks that they're not concerned with how their soul looks. Recently, a giant in the creative community passed. His name was Earl Simmons. You might not know him by that name. You might know him by the name DMX. He was a cultural icon. And there's a lot of things that you could say about DMX. Say, oh, here, here we go. It's one of them new school pastors. He jumped from the Holy Ghost to DMX. I can't believe him. He's a false prophet. Listen, listen. Before you church folk out there dismiss what I'm about to say next because of who it was, realize that far too often we make judgments on the soul of a man based on the shell of a man. I just want to put that public service announcement out there before the Facebook trolls go off. Stop focusing on people's shell and start looking more intently into their soul. I love DMX, and I'm not going to be the person to say where he is today. Listen, too often believers, we do this, we judge people, and we send people to places that we have never been, and we send people to places that we definitely don't want to go ourselves. So I don't know where DMX is. I pray to God he is in the arms of the Lord. But I don't, I don't wish hell on anybody because it was not designed for us. It was designed for the devil and his demons. So we need to stop judging people based upon what they look like on their shell and start looking intently on their heart and their souls because that's what God looks to. But he was a poet and he had a gift. And you can't take that away from him no matter what you may think about him. And one of the things that I've seen in his passing uh, recently, he, he, he was a poet, so he just, he just has such a way with words. And this particular video that I saw of him was beautiful because they never showed his face. They only showed his hands and you heard his voice. And the poem went something like this. He says, these are the hands of a man who lives. He said, these are the hands of a man who gives. These are the hands of a man who does. But when folded, these are the hands of a man who was. How beautiful. How, how poetic is that? See, I think that DMX was trying to give us his understanding of faith. And I know he read somewhere in that word that life is but a vapor. It's here for a moment and it's gone the next. There's so many people here that are focused on their shells and not their souls. And I want you to understand that in that little poem, we see that life is not eternal here on earth. We are a vessel. We are a tent and we only have a moment. My question to you, man and woman of God, is what are you doing while you are living life in the tent? Are you squandering it? Because you've been given this tent. You've been given this vessel to live. You've been given this vessel to give. You've been given this vessel to do. But one day, the hands of this vessel will be folded, meaning that the time in this vessel is over. As long as you are breathing, as long as you are living, living you have a purpose my question to you today is what are you doing while you are living in this shell because none of us has forever our bodies from the moment we are born begin to perish some of you say I don't know why I'm still alive well you better figure it out because if you're still alive God still has something left for you to do do not talk bad about the God that I serve because you can't figure out your purpose. You better thank God that he's allowing you to live long enough to figure it out. We serve the God that if you are still here, you still have something to do. So, a word to you today is don't waste the time you get in the tent. Your tent might look different from somebody else's. Your tent might not be as big. You might not have the tent that you want to have, but the tent you got is the tent you need to do what God has called you to do while you traverse the earth. I want you to understand the first part of your being is your body, and your body is a tent. But the second part 
is your soul. Your soul, I like to call it the real you. The real you. You see, 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 2 through 4 says, Meanwhile, we groan, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan and are burdened. Underline that. We groan and are burdened because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Paul uses this very part of the passage to describe the struggles that we face while we're in a temporary place. You see, the reason we groan and are burdened, as Paul says, is because we are eternal beings momentarily confined to a temporary place. Here's the thing. You know the reason you want to live forever? It's because you're supposed to. We will all live forever, but we are momentarily confined in the confines of a tent. And because we are an eternal being living in a temporary space, it's frustrating. Some of you wonder why your life is so frustrating. Because we were not meant to be here forever. There's a part of you that is eternal that wants to go back to eternity. The space that we are in in our bodies literally cannot contain the capacity of your soul, which is why eventually your human body will die. And although our physical bodies on earth will perish, our souls were designed to be eternal. And Paul says, we do not wish to be unclothed. So what I'm saying is, our soul is not trying to leave our body just so it can float around. No, our bodies, as Paul says, it says he says, we wish to be clothed, not unclothed, right? So what am I trying to say? The soul must be anchored. The soul must be anchored in something. While we are on earth, our souls are anchored to our physical bodies. They are anchored to our tent. But I love it because when Jesus, he dies on the cross and he raises again, he says, man, I go to prepare a place for you. He goes to prepare a heavenly dwelling. So until we get to heaven, we are anchored to this body. But one day you will be given a new body, a heavenly dwelling. Man, I can't wait until my soul is anchored to that heavenly body. Y'all ain't even going to recognize me in heaven because man, when I get to heaven, when I get to my heavenly body, I'm going to have the longest hair on the planet. You're going to see me from behind and you're going to be like, who is that? And I'm going to turn around. And I'm going to be like, holla at your boy. It's Pastor T. I am right here. Why? Because my earthly body has already begun to decay in certain places that I cannot get back. But one day my soul will be anchored to a heavenly body that is perfect. Brothers out there that can't grow beards, I promise you, you're going to have the longest beard in heaven. Ladies that want to eat one more cupcake, go ahead. You might not be able to do it down here, but you're going to have a mansion in heaven with a table full of cupcakes and you can eat all you want and you still going to look slim and trim because your soul will not be anchored to an earthly body that is decaying. It will be anchored to a heavenly body that is perfect for all of eternity. Listen, man, listen, I get excited because I know that this is only temporary. It's temporary. So I love this because as we begin to really break down and understand what the apostle is talking about, there's a Greek word for the word soul that I want to talk about. And, and, and it's sushi, sushi. That's the word for soul in the Greek. And let me tell you what the word implies implies that our mind, our will, and our desires as seen in our personal preferences, choices, emotional responses to life situations. Our, our soul is really ref reflected in our personality. So the easiest way that I can say it, if you're trying to understand what your soul is, you know what your physical body is. It's the physical body. It's the tent that you dwell in. But your soul, your soul is where your emotions come from. Your soul is what 
embodies your free will. So it gives you the ability to make decisions. Your soul encompasses your thoughts. So if I was looking at this egg and trying to have you understand that you are a triune being, what you must understand is that if the shell is the tent and the body, then you must understand that that is the outer you. But then the egg whites, that's your soul. That's the inner you. So here we go. Let's get that out. Ooh, nice. That's good. That That was a clean break. See? So here's my shell. My shell is fragile. My shell is broken. One day, all of our shells will be broken and they ain't coming back until we get that that heavenly body that cannot be broken anymore. So we have our shells in one place, but then we have we have the inside. We have the egg whites and you see that the yolk is still in there and it's so hard to separate the two. Oftentimes when you say soul and spirit, people get them confused. They think they're the same. They think they're indistinguishable. And I want to show you something different about your soul. So if I had to give you a physical representation of your soul, it would look like this egg white, not this yolk. It would literally look like the egg white, right? So the body is made of flesh, right? We always hear things in the Bible like, the spirit is at war against the flesh. Don't you, don't you hear that? You read Galatians 5, it says your spirit and your flesh are at odds with one another. Well, when biblically speaking, when we hear that term flesh, it's not talking about your body. It's talking about your soul. You say, well, what do you mean? Well, the body in itself is not inherently bad. The body is at the mercy and at the will of the soul. If the soul is where the decisions are made, your hand is not evil. Your hand is not bad. Your hand is operating at the mercy of your soul. So when you decided to punch somebody last week, your body did not just tear off and do that on its own. Before my arm did this, I made a decision with my free will in my mind that is housed in my soul to move my arm. The issue is, is that because the wages of sin is death, the fleeting body, the tent, it pays the price for decisions made in the soul. You see, the free will, because of free will, let me tell you something. As a believer, you're not a robot. You're not a zombie. You are not a slave. God, God, listen, God gave us free will. It's the greatest thing that he ever gave us. But some of us are operating in our free will in such a way that we are doing things far from what the creator intended. And our, our, our bodies are literally a walking, talking, living, breathing manifestation of the decisions that are made in our soul based upon our free will. So the body pays the price. So when people say things like, oh, my mind's telling me no, but my body's telling me yes. No, your, your soul said yes and your body responded to what was in your soul. So when the Bible in Galatians says that the flesh and the spirit are at odds with one another, really what's happening is there's an internal conflict, not an external internal. No, there's an internal conflict in all of us where our soul wants what it wants. And the spirit is saying, man, please don't do that. Please don't, please don't do that to me. I need, I, I need you to really get Get this, because the problem with the flesh, or what I should say is the soul, is that it wants what it wants. Why? Because your soul, because it is the expression of your personality, it wants what it wants. What the soul wants to always do, okay? The soul always wants to find comfort. So, because it is housed in a tent Since we do not have our permanent dwelling, what does the soul do? It tries to find comfort in a temporary place. So because it wants to find comfort in a temporary place, it will do, it will, it will desire things and it will do things 
that are even detrimental to the place that it's staying in because whether it's good for it or not, it just wants to feel good. Your soul just wants to feel. It's why I had one too many cookies last night. I wanted the cookies and I could have stopped. I, listen, we have, we have willpower. We have self-control. I could have stopped eating the cookies. My soul said, you want a cookie? Get another one. Don't, you feel, don't it make you feel good? Yeah, it felt good in the moment. Didn't feel good when I was tossing and turning in my bed last night because I ate one too many cookies. I had, and, and here's the thing. My, my body is not saying, ooh, give me another cookie. See, it's for cookie. That's good enough for me. My body's not saying that. My body is only going to do what my free will, what my soul tells it to do because my soul, the inner me, the real me, is a representation of my flesh, but my soul is eternal in nature, but while it's living in a tent, it desires to comfort the flesh. The truth is, some of us are way too comfortable in our souls living and making decisions about temporary places. You say, well, what do you mean? Your soul will make a decision to stay in a relationship because it's comfortable while the spirit in you knows you should have left that relationship a long time ago. See? So here's my tent. Here's my body. My body can't make me do anything I don't want to do. But my soul, because it has free will, says, I'm going to chain myself to this relationship because it feels good. So what do you do instead of breaking away from the things that God has called you to break away from? You know what you do with these chains? Your soul makes the decision to keep you chained inside the tent. Your soul makes a decision to be angry and have an attitude all the time because it keeps people out and you are comfortable with that while the spirit knows you need people that you've pushed away with your attitude. So here's what your soul says. This is my defense mechanism. Get away from me. Get it. This, this is your soul. You made decision. I'm going to walk around stank all day. Mm, danger. Do not enter. It's like, yo, why you can't smile, son? You walk around like this hmm, all day long. Do not enter. Do not say hello to me. Do not be my friend. Your soul made that decision. Your face is not turned up because your body had an involuntary reaction. No, you decided to walk around with that mean mug. So you know what you do? You carry this. You make this a part of your personality. It's a part of your soul. You put this in your tent. Here you go. Oh, cough. Mm, cough. Don't get. Rawr, rawr, rawr. I, I, listen, I got these two dogs, Coco and Tupac. I talk about them all the time. And, and Tupac's the big one. He's a bully. Okay. But though his name is Bully, he is, he, he's, he's soft. He's a pup. Coco, she's 10 years old. She a shit too. No, I did not cuss. But let me tell you something. When, when Coco get fed up with Tupac, you know what she do? She little in. She be barking them out. And Tupac just runs like crazy. You know what she said? Get away from me. She's made it a part of her personality. She, is a, she has a Napoleon complex. She is a nut. She says, get away from me at all times. Some of us walk around with the caution sign and we don't let people get close to us when your spirit knows it needs people. So you keep that in your tent. No trespassing. Don't listen. Don't get close. I will kill you. I will shoot you. Get away. Get away from me. This is literally... I, I've, I've seen believe, you know, I, I'm like, yo, how you believe in Jesus, but you always walking around with a sour face? This is this, this what you got on you at all times. How are people supposed to see the love of Christ in you when you always got a sign up that won't let them come through? But this is, this is how we walk around and we say, well, that's just the way I am. No, that's the way you chose to be. Now, I get it. There's things that happen to people that make them this way or they allow them to make them that way. But you got to decide the things that you want to put in your tent. Your spirit makes a decision to make money a certain way because it's fast and it's comfortable. It may not be honest. While the spirit never felt comfortable doing what you do to make ends meet. It's like, ah, I'm making it rain. Woo! I got my mouth. Making it rain. Y you may be doing that, but when you lay your head on your pillow at night, you question your own integrity. That, that greed, that desire 
to want more, that desire to always consume, the desire to throw integrity out the window. You have now made that a part of who you are and you have chosen to put that in your tent. Or maybe your soul has made a decision to not forgive someone. So you know what you do? You light a match and you burn a bridge while the spirit knows you need to forgive and let that go. And what you do is you walk around from place to place, from person to person, never forgiving a soul. And you walk around with your pack of matches in your tent, ready to keep unforgiveness in your spirit because you feel like everybody has wronged you. And if they ain't on your side, then they wrong. And instead of being happy, you rather be right. And you end up right by yourself because you don't know how to forgive. But how will you ever live in the forgiveness and grace of Jesus if you do not first forgive others? I want you to understand there are so many things that people, men and women of God and men and women that don't no, God, they have been walking around for so long in their tents and we make decisions in our souls that make us who we are. But the beautiful thing about the spirit of the living God that is on the inside of you is that you don't have to stay that way. You can change. I've heard so many people, man, I can't change, man. You ain't see what's in my tent. Listen. This is the beautiful thing about knowing that your soul and your spirit are separate. Because if you allow the spirit of the most high God to have influence on your soul, you don't have to be what you've always been. I don't care what has happened to you. And yes, I do have empathy because I know some people have been abused. Some people have been talked down upon. Some people have literally been forgotten about and spit on. But you cannot allow what happens to you in life to dictate who you are. You need to remember that no matter what, you are a child of God and God is the only one that dictates who you are. You don't have to stay the same way. You can always remember what Romans 12 2 says, do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind when it's saying that it means that your soul needs to be renewed. Your soul needs to be refreshed. And I know somebody that is in the soul refreshing business and his name is Jesus who says that you don't have to stay the same way that you are. You don't have to let your past dictate who you are. You don't even need to let your present dictate who you are. You can let Jesus, the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last to have the final say in who you decide to be. We can all change through the spirit of the living God. You don't have to be that way forever. And that's just who I am. No, that's who you choose to be. Finally, we're not just body. We're not just soul. We're spirit. See, the spirit is the deposit. The spirit is the deposit. Second Corinthians 5, 5, I love this, says, now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God who has given us the spirit. Love that. Capital S, the spirit. I love that. He's trying to show you, hey, I'm him too. I'm the Holy Spirit. I'm the Holy Ghost. He's given us a spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. The Greek word for spirit is pneuma, and it refers to the part of man that connects with and communicates with God. Oh my gosh. I love that. The part of man that connects and communicates with God. The spirit, in other words, it's God's consciousness in you. It's God's consciousness. You see, what your soul does is it makes you self-aware. But I love your spirit because your spirit makes you aware of God. You see, the spirit gives God's, it gives us, it gives God's consciousness, it allows God's consciousness to flow through us. You see, you have a soul that dictates your free will and your thoughts and your emotions and expresses your personality while living in a body 
that allows you to physically experience the earth through sight, sound, smell, taste, and touch. Your body allows you to physically experience the world. But if the body connects you to the physical world and the soul connects you to your thoughts, emotions, and free will, then the spirit, its desire is to connect you to your creator. It's a big difference. All the spirit wants to do is to connect you to who made you. This is why I love the fact that in all of us, whether we want to admit it or not, there's a desire to connect with something greater than ourselves. There's a, there's a God-shaped hole in every person. The spirit, the best way to describe it is the center of the man. The spirit is the supernatural part of you, the part that is the most like God. This is why I love what Genesis 2, 7 says, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. That breath, that ruach, that breath of life, that, guess what that is? That's the spirit of God that is breathed on the inside of you. And when God breathed life into man, the spirit of God is what brought us to life. Without the center, there is no life. Without the spirit at your core, there is no life. So if the shell is the body of the man and the egg white is the soul of the man, then the yolk, if I could separate it, the yolk now, this is the spirit of the man. Self-contained, it's strong, it's potent at its core. If we want to understand our triune nature, we must understand that the spirit is at the center of all of us. And though the soul and the spirit are connected, you must understand that they are two totally separate things. You see, I love showing you this example of this egg because even in the egg, though it's hard to distinguish between the two, it's very hard to separate them. You must understand a lot of the time the egg whites get credit for the things that the egg yolk does. <laughs> so you say, well, what do you mean? Well, when I'm in my best workout phases and I'm trying to eat right, you've seen it on menus all the time. You can get egg whites, right, as the more nutritious option. The egg whites, if you're looking just at the nutrition of an egg, the egg whites technically have more protein and they have less fat. So what happens is we get into this habit when we're trying to stay fit. Oh, you're like, oh, can I have an egg white omelet, please? And we're eating all these egg whites. And you know what's happening? We're throwing away the yolk. We're throwing away the yolk. The, pro the problem with that is, the problem with getting rid of the yolk is that though the egg whites may have more protein and they have less fat and they definitely don't carry the saturated fat that the egg yolk does, the yolk may have less protein and carry more fat. But guess what? 90% of the B12 is found in the yolk. And 100% of vitamins A, E, D, and cake are all found in the yolk, along with most of the calcium, iron, phosphorus, and zinc. You don't find that in the egg whites. You only find that in the egg yolk. What am I trying to tell you? The majority of the nutritional content of an egg, contrary to popular belief, is not found in the white, you get the vitamins from the yolk. Yeah. I need you to really understand that and get that because the yolk carries more overall nutrients. And I promise you, science doesn't just qualify this. Nature qualifies this because when a chicken embryo is inside of an egg like this one that the mother hen sits on, what happens is 
that an embryo which cells are multiplying rapidly is developed where? Not in the white. It is literally developed on top of the yolk. And do you know what nature's use for an egg yolk is? Nature's use for an egg yolk is the equivalent of an umbilical cord for a mother to a human child. So what happens is while the egg is incubating, while the baby chick is incubating, it is not feasting on the egg whites. It's not looking for the protein and less fat. The baby chick is looking for the nutrients. The baby chick is looking for the vitamins. The baby chick is looking for overall nutrition. So it attaches itself to the yolk and the entire incubation period by the time it is done the yolk has fully been consumed by the baby chick before we ever see it hatch what am i trying to tell you the life is in the yolk the life is in the center you see a soul without the spirit of the living god at its center might seem okay, might have some nutritional value, but it's lacking what it needs for life. We, we talk a lot about soul. We even make movies about it. But I'm telling you, nothing is more important to the soul of a man than the spirit of the man. Because while your soul can be self-centered, your spirit is always centered and focused on the one that gives life. It is focused in communication with its creator. It is what keeps us connected to our source. So while the soul is self-centered, the spirit is God-centered and gives you exactly what you need to live the life you were called to live. The truth is, the spirit is not even just our center, but the Bible calls it a guarantee that word guarantee in Greek is arhabon. And arhabon means this. It means, which is described, a pledge or a partial payment. I love that. That required future payments, but gave the one receiving the guarantee the legal claim to the goods in question. The modern uh, Greek language, the modern word for the word I just said, was arhabona. You know what that word means? It means engagement ring. Why is that important? Because you know what this is? This is a deposit. It's a guarantee of what is to come. I'll never forget the day that I dropped down on one knee and I gave my beautiful wife, my bride, to be at the time, the Bethesda Fountain, in New York, I'll never forget, 2006, I got down on a knee, I asked her, it was my birthday, I was like, man, I'm going to make a wish, and she said, hey, what do you wish for? And I got down on my knee, I said, I wish that you would spend the rest of your life with me, and I gave her, I gave her a ring, and I'll never forget the look on her face when I gave her that ring, all the emotion started to well up, tears came down her eyes because in that moment she understood that that ring was a promise it was a guarantee it was a deposit to a vow that I would make that said for better for worse for richer for poor in sickness and in health for as long as we both shall live till death do us part the ring was the deposit it was the guarantee of what would become of our relationship and i love this verse that god gives us his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come and here's what charles spurgeon the great theologian said about that verse he says so the holy spirit is a part of heaven itself and the work of the spirit in the soul is the bud of heaven. What was he saying? There's a part of heaven inside of all of us that longs to get back there. So not only is the spirit the center, not only 
is the spirit a guarantee? The spirit is the only thing that can guide your soul back to heaven in which it came from. You see, I want you to understand if your body is a tent and your soul is a culmination of the stuff that you carry in it, then you cannot get to where you need to go on this journey if you do not have a compass. You see, the beautiful thing about the compass, the beautiful thing about the Spirit is it guarantees direction. I don't care what way I turn in this room right now, this compass, my Spirit, will always point me towards true north. So even when I veer off to the left, all I got to do is look at my compass and it points me back to the north. Even if I veer off to the right, all I got to do is look at my compass and it points me back to the north. Even if I want to turn around and walk back away from the creator that is calling me, I always got a compass in my spirit that says, son, you're going the wrong way. You got to change direction. You got to go true north. And it's not the north that we will talk about on this earth. My north is heavenward. My north is upward. God is calling us home through our spirit that is a deposit to guarantee what is to come. And you need the spirit of the most high God on you to always point you towards true north. And that is his son, Jesus Christ, the living spirit. The Holy Ghost is power on the inside of you that does not just guarantee you heaven, but it always points you in the right direction. A soul will always go the wrong way if it is not guided by the Spirit. The Spirit, the compass within us, it gives us direction that always finds its way home. Have you shut out the spirit? Are you more concerned with the body than the spirit? Are you more concerned with the soul than the spirit? Let me tell you something. If you don't start to appreciate your spirit, your soul will forever go in the wrong direction. You need the Spirit of the Most High God. I don't want to just live a life with emotions and free will and personality. I want to live a life that is led by the Holy Ghost because the Holy Spirit always points me back in the right direction. I don't know who I'm talking to today, but you can't even access the compass if you don't first know who the compass is, he has a name. His name is Jesus. When Jesus is living in your heart, that means that the Holy Spirit is living in you. And though you may veer off the path every now and then, the Spirit will always guide you home. If you need Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to live a life empowered by the Spirit, tell you something. Salvation is only the beginning of where the Spirit wants to take you. It's only the beginning. Let me tell you something. Any believer will tell you, is life easy? No, but it's better. Why? Because I'm led by the Spirit. If you need Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, I want you right now, wherever you wherever you are, you say, I want to live a Spirit-led life. I need, I need you. You can't live a Spirit-led life without Jesus. Some of y'all in your soul, you've been trying to figure this out for so long, and the reason you don't know where to go is because you got a God-shaped hole in you that only the Spirit can fill. That's you on the count of three. I need Jesus. Here we go. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Hold it up. High enough, long enough. I can't see it. God can. And that's all that matters. That's all that matters. And not only does he see your hand, the best part is he sees your heart, and he sees that hole where he belongs, and he wants to to bring the spirit alive inside of you because he knows that that will guide you home. I want everybody to repeat this prayer after me. The Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart, he's raised from the dead, you're saved. Confess and believe. Say, dear Jesus, I've sinned. I'm not proud of it, but I admit it. Today, I lay my sin down. Take it, I pray. I don't want it anymore. I reach to heaven to receive your forgiveness take the place of my sin. I ask that you would accept me 
and to your wonderful family. Today, I give my life completely to you. I'm yours, Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. Man, that gets me so fired up. And I, I, I want to say one more prayer. You say, why? Because I know some folks accepted Jesus, but I know folks that have known Jesus for a long time, but they don't live a spirit-led life. And they wonder why they can't figure it out. I, I'm a, my next prayer is, I'm going to pray that you stop listening to your soul that wants to comfort your body and you start listening to your spirit that keeps you in constant communication with your father. I'm going to ask God to open your spiritual ears and eyes so that you can hear him and see him active in your life like never before. If you want that, if you want me to pray for that, just reach towards your screen. It's just symbolic, just symbolic. I want to live a spirit-led life. Go ahead. I see you. Father God, I thank you for all my brothers and sisters that want to live spirit-led. God, we don't want the voice of our soul to be louder than the voice of the spirit because the spirit always leads us back to you. Our soul wants to comfort us. Our spirit wants us to be comforted by you. So God, I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart, Lord. Open the eyes of our heart because we want to see you in a way we've never seen you before. God, we want to live spirit-led lives. We don't want to be swayed by the things of this earth left and right, but God, we want to find true north always through the power of the Holy Ghost that is alive and active in us. I pray these things for my brothers and sisters in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Man, we celebrate salvation at Cool Church. We celebrate the Holy Spirit at Cool Church. I can't show you. I can't open up the ceiling and show you what's happening, but there's a party in heaven right now. So for the next five seconds, start hitting those, those likes, start hitting those claps, send those emojis up when the praises go up, the blessings come down. Let's cheer for our brothers and sisters that made a decision to meet Jesus today. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, you made that decision, family. I'm proud of you. I want you to text the word cool fam, one word, to 1-833-675-9430. That way, our family can connect with you because you are now a part of the family, not just the family of Cool Church, but the family of heaven. God smiling down on you. Hey, if you need direction in life, don't trust your soul. Trust the Spirit because the Spirit was created in you to give your soul direction. It will always guide you home. I hope I hope that that gave you a clear picture of the way that God made you triune in nature. And you don't have, listen, you say, I can't change. You're right. You, you can't, but with the spirit of the living God in you, you can. It's the spirit. Amen. Love y'all so much. Hey, I'm going to bless you before you go. So reach towards me, Father God. I thank you for the greatest people in all the world, the people of cool church bless them as they rise up as they lie down as they go out as they come in and they're laboring in their leisure god surround them with your presence and god i pray that this week of their life will be the best week of their life in jesus name amen peace thank you so much for listening to hear more messages like this one please be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel and if you like what you've heard please consider sharing it with your friends because it helps so much Don't forget to connect with us at our website, thecoolchurch.com. And always remember that you were created out of love.